Do not disturb. What's that acronym? NTDM. No texting during movie. Never even heard that. What? You've never seen that ad at the beginning of a movie? Well, the last time I've been in the movie theater has been a significant amount of time. Right. Okay, we're good? Yep. All right, you good? No, I'm good. Oh, he's good. <laughs> okay. All right, we are here with the golden retriever himself. <laughs> man, this is sweet. I'm excited to be here. Taylor Dog, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's going to be fun, man. Um, I know we're excited to do this because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in, like, our immediate circles that'll be fun to have yeah. on a show. And um, I guess I would say you're, like, the first one that we're doing this with. So Dope. you kind of got to kick it off for everyone, yeah. you know? Show all our friends, like, yeah, you know, Taylor's cool. <laughs> but um, let's let's go ahead and start the way we start with everyone. All right. Who is Taylor Dalton, otherwise known as TD Cameraman? That's true. That's uh, or TD Cameron to some because that's a big misconception about my Instagram <laughs> handle. Um, well, I'm uh, just a person that loves the outdoors and loves being passionate. Um, doesn't matter what that passion is, and I like to see that in other people too. Um, that's a big part of who I am. Is I like to cultivate passion in myself and in other people. Um, I'd say that's the best way to describe me. Uh, and obviously, passionate about photography. It's a big part of my life now. Do it full-time for work. Um, I've been shooting for like five years now, almost to the month, basically. Bought my first camera on a Black Friday five years ago. So, uh, yeah, I just always grew up in the outdoors, and that kind of evolved into me becoming a landscape-slash-adventure photographer. Yeah, so well, that's me. and being based in utah at least for now is a great place to to pursue all of that yeah but you came from arizona I right did. yeah that's where i grew up specifically in prescott prescott that's the one now um were you still involved with a lot of outdoor activities growing up down in prescott oh yeah definitely so uh my parents are both like pretty pretty active lifestyles um went backpacking a lot as a kid that was definitely like our main activity backpacking camping that kind of stuff um i went on my first backpacking trip when i was six years old in the tetons actually funnily enough a lot of history in the tetons so uh that was really fun kind of got me into it and then yeah i just growing up we'd always go on hikes for like i don't know our weekend activities yeah that's kind of crazy to me because like myself growing up in the midwest yeah I never went backpacking. Not I never as even much thought about option, backpacking. Yeah. I mean, and here you're doing it six years old. Yeah. Like six Crazy. years old. I was like, oh, T-ball, bro. <laughs> like, we're doing T-ball. Right. But like, you're like, no, we're going to go backpacking, you know? Yeah. And like, that's super cool. So like, you know, you had this passion for the outdoors pretty much your entire life. Yeah, definitely. You know, when you were younger, what was like your favorite place to go to? And has that changed now? That you've seen so many other places. Oh, yeah, 100%. I I think it's funny because it's like a different kind of like favorite place. You know, there's places that are like nostalgic for me that I like grew up going to that are they're just like they have that history um, with me. But then there's other places that I've been to since that now I'm like, this place is absolutely gorgeous. But it's not in the same. I don't know. It's not like the same kind of love. It's a different. I don't know. It's It's like I would say like. The love for your sibling is different than like a love for a friend, but that you love both of those people, but it's just a little bit different. And I'd say that's the same with like these places that I've been to. So, um, well, like one of my new ones, the Wind Rivers in Wyoming, I love that mountain range so much. I got to spend a lot of time there this summer. 
Um, but one of the old ones is like Sedona, like growing up, we'd go out there and camp on the rim above Sedona. That's a big yeah, place. Yeah, Prescott's not like too far from Sedona. Yeah, it's just over. It's just over the hill. You kind of have to. Well, you can drive over the mountain to get there. It takes a little bit. It's about like an hour. Yeah. Twenty minutes. Yeah, it's not so, too bad. Not too far. Now you're also involved with like a lot of other outdoor activities. That's not just photography. Like I know, like canyoneering and stuff. Yeah. How did you get involved with that stuff? Because again, someone like me, coming from the Midwest, there's no canyons. Like, sure. There, there's nothing that you could really do that. It even gets close to the kind of outdoor opportunities we have here. Right. Um, It's kind of funny you say that because I think now I'm I'm viewed as this person that does like a lot of these other outdoor activities besides photography. But like I didn't get into a lot of them until like maybe a year, two years ago. Um, Growing up, it was like strictly backpacking and hiking. But I've been into canyoneering for about a year. And that's really just because of the people I surround myself with. And like, I love people that love the outdoors and if they get into a hobby, like it's going to trickle down to me eventually. Um, so yeah, that's how that happened. Now you do canyoneering, but mm-hmm. you don't rock climb. No. Why is that? Like what, the, what's, di- what's the difference there? Um, yeah, I get this question so much. Um, for me, I think it's, it is so much easier to have your camera on you and be able to take photos while you're canyoneering. Well, in most canyons, there's some canyons that are make it very complicated, but uh, in rock climbing, it's hard to to start out in that way. I mean, there's people like Jimmy Chin who do it really well, um, but I'm obviously not at a point, and I don't really, I guess, want to put in the effort into rock climbing because it, it takes so much um, other focus besides, like, I can't focus on photography and that at the same time in the beginning. And so rappelling is like pretty easy to get into. Obviously, you have to be careful what you're doing and be focused on that as well. But for me, it just comes more naturally, I think. So I can also be on camera, which is what I'm the most passionate about. So if I'm able to do that while we're canyoneering, I'm a happy camper, canyoneer. Happy canyoneer. Yeah. We should make a new hat for that. <laughs> we should. <laughs> but, but it's kind of cool because you can co- combine two passions like that and not oh, have yeah. to sacrifice one for the other. That's my favorite thing about photography, I think, is that, like, it is just open so many doors. It's, like, I've heard, like, interviews with, like, actors before that say that, too. It's, like, you get to learn all these, like, random skills because you're an actor and you're playing all these different roles in a movie. And I feel like that in photography, like, it's it's gotten me to so many places, like, shooting, like, kind of off-road content. I've learned so much about that just because photography got me into that world or, like, like overlanding or... Or canyoneering, stuff like that. It's just a really cool way to get into something and still be able to do what you love. Yeah. And talk about off-roading. I know you're a big fan of the Broncos. I am a big fan of the Broncos. Uh, What do you enjoy shooting about off-road content in particular? I think there's just something that's like thrilling about it. And it kind of um, transfers this feeling of almost adrenaline into a photo that I think is really cool. I think a lot of action sports photographers would say the same thing about what they do, but I really get that feeling from like off-roading because it's something that I enjoy to do. And it also gets you to places that are just really beautiful that you can't get to in a civic or whatever you're in or an Astro van. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the van can go a lot of places. Yeah. It's been some places that it shouldn't have been probably. Yeah. Um, No. And I think that's, that's really great. You know, it's it's definitely a side of photography that I haven't done much in. You know, we tried doing that down in Arches a couple we did. weeks back. I was like, yeah, I know, I'll try it, I guess. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't interest me. But, like, 
you know, you can get great photos. And I think it's another thing, and I think you are also a really great example of this, of wanting to explore new spaces. Oh, yeah. To see what's 100%. out there. And it just changes what you can do. It, it helps you grow in ways yeah. you never thought and possible. And it keeps, it keeps you excited and from, like, burning out. Like, if I was taking landscapes every single day, right. I'm going to get tired of that. So I got to switch it up and shoot a Jeep or shoot a Bronco or whatever that is. But, yeah, changing it up with, like, the genre you're shooting, I think, is so helpful. Yeah, and I think that's a really a good point because I know I felt that way recently a little bit about my own work. It's like, well, you know, landscapes are good, but like it just right. gets boring. And I'm yeah. like, I just, I'm tired of it. Mm-hmm. And doing what you do at least, you know, whether it's canyoneering or a bunch of hiking, going to places that a lot of people might not normally go to. It's like, just keeps things lively. Spicy. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and especially like, you know, if you can go up to the Tetons or go down to the desert, you can have a change of scenery, oh, yeah. which has got to be one of the coolest parts about living in a place like Salt Lake. Yeah. Just There's the, so much, like, within three hours, yeah, basically. The accessibility. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. not that you can't go find new places and, and different things in places down like Arizona or right. even up in Wyoming and Tetons. But from Salt Lake, if you're willing to drive three hours, you can have darn near anything you it's think. It's pretty of. central to just a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think is the coolest experience you've had out there in the outdoors? What would you say that is? Oh, my gosh. Um... Dang, that's a really good question. Um, I think my my favorite kind of outdoor experience is is showing other people a place that they've never seen before. But um, what brought this to mind is it's even cooler when you get to do that to yourself, which sounds hard. But what I'm thinking of is uh, last summer I went to this place in the Wind Rivers. Um, I had never been there before. I'd seen photos of it, but like that's so much different than being there in person. And I hiked in in the dark because I wanted to see it for sunrise, which is a really good way to show yourself a new place without like, with the element of surprise, I guess you could say. So um, that was that's a really really cool experience that's special to me, especially because I was like sharing it with friends. We all got to experience that at the same time. Yeah, that's cool. that that is a really fun part of what we get to do. And we've had that yeah. experience taking people down southern Utah to places they've. You know, yeah. never been. They've seen pictures of, like you said. Mm-hmm. But you come in the middle of the night and you're like, hey, set up camp. You know, you yeah. can't see anything. Yep. And you wake up and you're like, this feels like a different planet. Yeah. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Very and cool. It's a fun experience. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about what you do for work. So I understand you work for Canvas Cutters. I do. Can you tell us about that company and sure. what you do for them? Yeah. So uh, Canvas Cutter basically makes um, canvas bed rolls. They're like a one person kind of tent deal um, that's like all included so it's got like a foam pad in it covered in canvas and has like this tent pole system that elevates the canvas above your head and uh, and then we make duffel bags and we're coming out with saddle bags soon and lots of stuff like that but basically what I do for them is I manage their social media and I create content for them for social media for their website for YouTube stuff like that and um, pretty fresh like it just started about a month ago it's a really awesome company. I love my my bosses. Um, they're really cool. And the thing that I love about them is they're, they don't want only just like the best for me for their own purposes, but they also want the best for me for my own, um, which is awesome. And I think if you're looking for a job in the creative industry, that's really important because it's really easy to get taken advantage of, I think, in, uh, in this industry, creating content, managing social medias and stuff. So Yeah, like, and if, if you... 
get into a position where you're making content that is really only what other people want and you don't have the creative flexibility mm -hmm. to do stuff that like interests you, right. that leads to like what we were talking about earlier with burnout. Oh. And so finding a job like that would be, would be yeah. great. How did you stumble into that job? I actually just found it on KSL. Really? Yeah, just stumbled across a little ad on the classifieds or whatever it's called. And I emailed them and they didn't respond. And so I sent them like a follow-up email like a week later. And then I was like trying to get in contact with them so much. And then finally, like one day I get a call on my phone, didn't recognize it. So I didn't answer like who does. <laughs> and, uh, and then I look and I got a voicemail from them that was like, Hey, this is Seth from canvas cutter trying to reach out to you about this, this job. And then I looked and I had another voicemail that I'd gotten like 12 days previously that I didn't see. And it was from him. So I had like sent him all these follow-up emails after he'd already reached out to me, which was really embarrassing. But luckily he, uh, forgave me for that and they they hired me so <laughs> that's funny i mean that's, that's just a, a good point like hey if you're in that kind of a position where you're looking for a job answer the phone yeah you never know yeah that's true especially if it's a company like this that ends up being a great place to work it's like you know you, you don't want to miss that opportunity yeah you don't want to miss and i think that's how probably a lot of people end up missing opportunities they yeah. things come their way and they just don't bother mm -hmm. to to get back to people yeah but um let's talk about what you're most passionate about, and that's photography. Yeah. How did you get started in this craft? Dude, it was, it's funny because the, the thing that really got me, I mean, it's just like a lot of, I think a lot of people's passions, it's like the culmination of a lot of these small little events that add up eventually. Um, so like my brother used to be into photography in high school, yeah, my older brother, and uh, he we went on this trip after I graduated from high school where we went to Glacier, Yellowstone, Grand Teton, backpacked in the Uintas at the end of it in like a week and a half. It was amazing. Um, but on that trip, he showed me a little bit about like editing photos on your phone, which I thought was so cool. But looking back, like my edits are not good. I did not like them. <laughs> Max um, clarity. <laughs> yeah, Max exactly. Haze. Max clarity, <laughs> Max saturation, all of it. Um, but yeah, that that really kind of got me thinking about it. And then when I got home from that trip, I went on a camping trip a few weeks later with my buddy who had always been into like making GoPro videos like growing up because uh, he's like a huge mountain biker and does all kinds of activities like that. And he took a picture of the stars with his GoPro on this trip. And I was like, I did not know you could do that. That's amazing. And I've always been a huge fan of like the stars and stargazing, like growing up camping has just always been something special to me. And uh, I was like, man, I need a picture of the stars. I want to do that so bad because that's so cool. So that following Black Friday, I went and bought a camera. And that was all I wanted it for, really. Um, I just wanted to take one star picture and be like, that's cool. And then, you did. And then done. be done. So I, and I'm a very like independent learner. I don't, I've, I've learned from mistakes since then. But I, at the beginning especially, I didn't want to like ask people for advice or anything. And I knew people that had like known a little bit, like including my brother. Um, but I just took like a month for me to figure out how to get a picture of the stars. I finally got one on New Year's Eve in Driggs, Idaho. It was negative seven degrees. Um, and I got this picture of the stars and it had a shooting star in it, which was pretty cool, pretty lucky. Um, but yeah, I took that photo. I posted it on Facebook and all my mom's friends on Facebook were like, this is so cool. And then I put my camera away for like five or six months in my closet. I didn't use it until 
uh, a buddy of mine asked for like some um, headshots for a drama class. And I was like, I, have n I don't know how to take pictures of people. Like I have no idea how to do that, but I was like, I'll give it a shot. And uh, we tried it and then I was like, you know what, I should, and by the way, they were terrible. They were awful photos. <laughs> um, but like a learning, a learning, uh, a lesson, I guess. And, um, and then I was like, you know what, I should start taking this camera with me on hikes. Like I go hiking all the time to all these pretty places. Like why not just take it with me? And then it really just domino affected from there where I learned like little things along the way. And I'd hear something on a YouTube video from like Peter McKinnon or some other people that I used to watch um, starting out and, and then it just slowly kind of built into what I am today where it's like it's my it's my thing it's who I am yeah so. it I think it's interesting because it, it feels like a very common thread among a lot of people that they just kind of taught themselves oh yeah like not too many people in our circles you know learned in a very structured way through yeah. classes or anything like that. They just like, yeah, I want to take I, photos and yeah. they go to YouTube. Yeah. I think it just, it photography just attracts that kind of, that kind of brain mentality that it's just, you're such a, a self learner, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's a really good thing too. I think it's a, it's a good way to teach yourself how to do something new mm -hmm. and, and keep pushing yourself to, to grow. Yeah. Um, but I also like how you, you mentioned, you know, you, we're going on hikes and stuff. And like, well, I may as well just bring my camera. That speaks to what you're talking about before. It's like, well, it's a natural outlet to do and be involved with other things as right. well because you're capturing moments mm -hmm. of time. Yeah. Um, how soon would you say, or how quickly would you say that you really picked up the art of photography to do it well? Oof. Um, I would say it took me like two years before I was to a place where I was like, yeah, my work is, my work is good. And to like a mentality where I stopped like comparing myself really. I mean, I, th I think I still do that to, in some regard, but not in like a, not in a negative connotation. Right, not in now, way. now it's more in a positive way where I'm like, it's not quite as good as like this person yet or this photo, but this is what I can do to make that happen. Um, whereas it used to be like, dang, I'm never going to be able to take a photo like that. Like, I, well, I never grow on social media or I'll never, yeah, just be able to accomplish those things, which is different now. So. Yeah. Does your brother still shoot too? Um, not really, but if he picked up a camera, he'd probably be better than me. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> he's just that kind of person that's good at everything he does. Yeah. Would you say, you know, the influence that your brother had on you growing up still like runs through you today and how you shoot? Um, yeah. He's always, so he's like the brother closest to me mm -hmm. in age. I'm the youngest in my family. He's just older than me. And uh, so I've always looked up to him in a lot of things that he's done and just like the way he approaches things. And so that definitely has an influence in how I shoot now because like, and he's still, I mean, he's doing a very different thing in his life than I'm doing, but the way he approaches his passions, I think uh, definitely inspires me to work on mine. Yeah. Is there anyone else in the family that shoots or no? Um, my sister-in-law. Both of my sister-in-laws, actually. Yeah. They both what, uh, what do a lot it, of family stuff. What is it like to get to share not only the passion for photography, but just the outdoors with your entire family? Yeah, I think that's a, a thing that brings us close together. Like, anytime we're meeting up, that's, like, the activity we're doing. We're going on a hike or going camping or something like that. And uh, I think it just brings us all closer. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think there's something 
to the idea that you know you're trying to make something with your work that makes your family proud of you yeah which is as like the youngest i have always felt like you know behind and uh like all my siblings are very well educated people like they all are like bachelor's degrees or they're just all like pretty successful in that in that regard which has never been my thing like i've always struggled in a classroom um, and you're living in a van yeah, and I'm living in a van, exactly. <laughs> which doesn't help the... Which, uh, is not, which is not the same kind of lifestyle that they're living in in their success. Um, but I think they... Well, I know that they, like, respect that I'm living something that I'm... Like, I'm living my dream, basically, and I'm following something that I'm really passionate about. And I think they do... Uh, I think they respect me for that, which is a good feeling, especially as, like, the youngest kid. Yeah. So. W- what is it... Um, that keeps you going like on a day by day basis, you know, to go out and shoot, find new things. Like what is it about this craft, this space that we're in that keeps you motivated to, to do more? Um, my favorite aspect of it is definitely the, the people aspect. I love inspiring people and like, I mean, it's not always on social media. Sometimes it's in person or whatever, but social media is a big, big part of my life and a lot of, the place where I hear this, but people that message me, I've never met before. And they're like, dude, thank you for posting that. Some random thing that I wrote in a caption. They're like, I've been like struggling with this recently. And I, I like really want to chase photography because I, I love it, but I just don't like, I don't feel like there's a path there. And, and they say that's something I said has helped them overcome that, which is a great feeling. And I love being able to provide that for people when I can. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a great thing. And, you know, I think a lot of us end up getting that, but, mm-hmm. um, I think the important thing is like, you know, seeing someone like you in your work, you can tell it's just authentic. You're not mm-hmm. trying to be someone you're not, right? you know, you have fun with it and that's yeah. a great thing. Yeah. Um, what other photographers out there? inspire you because we kind of run in the same circles with a ton of people yeah you know there's, there's a lot of us our age or you know that we get to do stuff with but there's also a lot of other professionals right. who do this for a living so what people out there are the ones that you look up to sure at the at the beginning it was definitely uh i was looking at like the big names you know like peter mckinnon or um a guy that i followed named his Instagram handle is Moon Mountain Man, Jacob Moon. Um, he's always someone that I've, I've looked up to. Um, but like in the last few years, since I've kind of gotten to that place where I'm not comparing so much in that negative connotation, it's definitely more of like looking at the friends around me that are in kind of the same workspace that I am and looking up to them and what they're doing and how they're um, always like seeking to learn more and stuff like that. So like you and Chandler and... Mahela and just people like that that are always around me. I think those are the inspirations that I look to now. Yeah. And I think that's a great way. You know, we talked about on a previous podcast too, that one of the best ways to get better yourself is to simply surround yourself with people that are better than you. And it's okay to be maybe on the bottom of the totem pole. Right. If I was to give myself advice, like when I was first starting out, because like I said, I was so independent. I didn't want to ask anybody for help. But surrounding yourself with people that are doing the same thing you're doing, and especially if they're doing it better than you, that is such a great way to learn. Because you just, I mean, it's its kind of like learning language, like delving into a culture or surrounding yourself with people that are really good 
at doing what you want to do, I'd say that's the best way to learn. Yeah. And in a way, like I would say the same thing by myself too. Like I see people like you and, and Ben and Chandler, mm-hmm. and everyone that, you know, is in our big group chat. Right. It's like, you know, in a, being a part of, you know, obviously we have a big community, but being a part of some kind of smaller, tighter knit community who knows you on a deeper basis. Yeah. It's like, there's definitely something there that like you want to like do more almost for them as well. Mm-hmm. And like really keep up with them. Yeah. But like for me, like I don't, I don't feel necessarily any pressure to do photo stuff, but like, I feel like I want to do other things for like, it's like why we do this podcast, why we do Bushwhackers. It's yeah. like, and that's a great pressure. Like that's the kind of positive pressure you're talking about, you know, comparison stuff too with negative pressures. Yeah. That's the kind of positive pressure and the kind of, mindset how you should view definitely those kind of yeah, it's uh, dynamics like, it's like positive competition almost like it's like you want to do better because the people around you are doing good yeah like it's not we should never be feeling we, we're competing with other people to be necessarily the best in terms of like right in comparison to them but we can be better ourselves mm-hmm. and you, we should be competing with ourselves yeah. and like other people like you know i look at your stuff i'm like okay he's doing a lot of really cool stuff <laughs> i should probably be doing more of that if yeah. I can find the time. Sure. But, you know, it's just it's the way things work. Um, you have a photo out there that, I don't know if it's well-known, but at least in our circles, like, it's, we love it. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's your lightning photo. Yeah. Can, uh, can you give us some tips on how to get better lightning <laughs> photos? Because that one's stellar. It's such a, man, I love, I love capturing lightning, and I think the reason is, is because it's not, it's not a type of photo that I would say you can like, you can master. It's all about chance and, but there are ways to increase your chances. Um, being patient, being a big one and, um, giving yourself the opportunities to get those photos. So like, I mean, anytime there's a storm, especially while I was like living in Jackson, I would always go out I just take my camera out. It doesn't even have to be like a crazy super location. Because uh, I have, like, lots of lightning photos from places that are just, like, not really that exciting. But if you get into the practice of putting your camera into what it needs to be, like, really fast and seizing those moments, it makes it so much easier for you to grab those opportunities when they present themselves. Yeah. Now, that one photo I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. the one where you're standing on a cliff with lightning in the background. Sure. Tell us about the story behind that one. Okay. <laughs> um that one is like, I wasn't even trying to shoot for lightning that day. That was just... It's an epic photo. It's just literally pure luck. <laughs> um, basically, I was... I woke up early that morning on accident. Like, I didn't have an alarm set or anything, but I woke up at like 5 a.m. And when I wake up, I usually can't fall back asleep. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to go on a hike, take my camera with me, whatever. We'll get something cool, maybe. So I went and hiked up the Y hike in Provo, Utah, and there's a little spot you can continue the hike to this place called Eagle Pass. And there's like a rock outcropping up there that was like, oh, it would look pretty cool. And it was like cloudy, but it wasn't it wasn't stormy yet. And I was like, this would be like a cool moody shot if I set up my tripod on the hill and I go stand on the on the rock and it'd just be kind of like a cool, epic adventure shot, I guess. And so I put up my camera on the tripod. I set it to intervalometer mode. So it was going to take like... I think 30 photos with like a two second interval in between each photo. And I went and I like just got on the rock and I was just walking around. And then like this kind of storm moves in 
and it starts to like kind of flurry snow and there's a little bit of hail. And then while I was walking around up there, I suddenly hear this thunder clap behind me and it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was crazy close or anything, but I was like, okay, I should probably get off the top of this mountain now. And so I went, packed up my camera and bear in mind that what I was shooting at, like my settings were one two fiftieth of a second was my shutter speed. Um, I think I was shooting at F4 and my ISO was like 800, I think, because it was dark. And uh, so I pack up my camera. I didn't even look at the photos. I just packed up my camera because I'm trying to get off this mountain. And while I was packing it, like, started to hail on me, like some serious hail. And so I ran down the mountain, got into my car, went back to my apartment, like, loading the photos in, not really expecting anything, looking through the photos, and, like, on the seventh or eighth one or something, there's a bolt of lightning in the background of the shot. And I was like, there's there's no way that happened because, I mean, the when you shoot lightning, typically, for those of you that don't know, you like to um, have your shutter open for a while. Um, you do a long exposure, typically. And 1 250th of a second is no long exposure. That's, like, pretty super quick. fast. And for the lightning to have happened at the exact same, like, not even second, like, millisecond that my camera shutter went off is crazy. And so I just... I mean, it's the luckiest photo I'll ever take, probably. Um, so, yeah, I, I edited it up, made a TikTok about it, put it on my Instagram, and it's still my most liked photo, and the well, engagement was crazy. For a good reason. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's one of the most epic photos I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty uh, cool. But I think, in a way, and it's fun to, like, hear you talk about it like that, because you admit, like, it's, it's luck. Like, yeah. You know, it's just a chance timing. Yeah. But um, I'd like to get your comment on something that me and Chandler have talked a little bit because it feeds right into this. And that is that while you do have to obviously know how to use a camera to mm -hmm. get great photos, you know, in the store, you, you know how to use a camera, but so much of your ability or your, to, to become a great photographer mm -hmm. is simply by going out yes, and finding huge. spots and just being there and, yeah having a chance sky or a chance lightning yeah. bolt. It's like, it's just, it's not about your technical skill. It's about just giving yourself opportunities. Yes, but you have to have that technical skill you do. too. So it's a combination of both those things. Like you have to have the technical skill, especially if you're able to work quickly with your camera, that can help so much because you might have conditions that are going to be gone in like a minute and you have to take advantage of that. But it really is, it's giving mother earth the opportunity to present you with something like a lightning bolt or a fantastic sunset or something and so you have to be out like all the time i mean you don't have to be out all the time but giving more opportunities yeah. is definitely going to increase but your like, chances if you go somewhere once it's like yeah you might get a photo sure. but if you go a second time or maybe even have to go seven times to a yep. place yep that's when you get that crazy sky oh yeah you know, that's when you get the lightning bolt through your frame mm -hmm. but I think it's it's interesting because we look at a lot of people out there and we say, oh, they're a phenomenal photographer. But a lot of what we're like complimenting them on is not so much their skill to simply take the photo, yeah. but it's the conditions that they had and it's the fact right. that they were just there. Yeah. And yeah, it's huge. And they and a lot of those like big name photographers, they just have more freedom over their life to go get more opportunities to get those things. Yeah, so, you know, they're yeah, doing huge. this full time. Yeah. So they can pursue that every single day. Right. People like me, I have a day job. Mm -hmm. So I can't be out in these crazy spots all week, all month. Yep. You know? But maybe that's also why 
you get a van. Yeah. And you can live out of a van. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is something you did. I did do Let's that. Let's talk about your van, Taylor. All right. So you, you know, what was it, beginning of the summer that you got it? Spring-ish? Yeah, in, in May. Yeah. yeah. So you got a van back in May. Mm-hmm. How did you come about finding this van? And please describe <laughs> it for everyone who doesn't know. <laughs> okay, will do. Um, so really what spurred the, I mean, I've always kind of wanted to live in a van. And I lived in a bus last summer. Um, but what really wait, spurred Wait, 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 hold on. A bus. Yeah, I lived in a school bus. Okay, we're going to have to talk about that too. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what brought this on is I got a job in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which if you know, rent is not cheap there. So <laughs> I got this job uh, to work as a photographer taking photos of all the people whitewater rafting on the snake um, over the course of the summer. And I was like, man, that... Sounds awesome. I love the Tetons. Love Jackson Hole. I want to live there. It's like, but I can, I probably can't afford rent there. I mean, I could, but I'd have like no money left. And so I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll live in a van. Like that'll do it. And so I started to like pour over Facebook Marketplace and KSL. And I even put up, I actually put up an ad on KSL that was like, I'm a photographer. I'm looking for a van. I'm willing to like trade anything or pay people for like I'll shoot a wedding for you I don't know I don't remember exactly what it said but I was like offering all these things because I just wanted a van so bad and uh, I finally found one this 1999 Chevy Astro van classic green color it's, it's a called beaut. it's called the green bean now um, it had a broken window and the battery was like shot basically in the ad it said um, but the engine ran great and it had like 160,000 miles on it so I was like you know what let's let's try it and i actually i actually didn't have a car at the time i was riding my bike everywhere and uh so i contacted this guy and i was like i would love to look at this van it was listed for 1500 bucks i think and i was like that's that's great like that's a steal i'll i'll take that any day i gotta buy a new battery maybe replace a window whatever um so i got on my bike i rode to the front runner station because i was living in provo at the time this was in Ogden. So I rode the front runner up to Ogden. I took my bike. I think I rode 11 miles to the guy's place. Um, and like, I didn't know if I was gonna buy the van, but I was like on my bike. And like, if I hadn't bought the van, I would have been like stuck in Ogden because I was looking at it in the evening. And I think the train would have stopped running by the time I got back. So it was like a little, um, a little bit of a risky play. But I got there, he had bought a new battery to put in. He's like, you know, I just bought a new battery to put in it just, just to be nice, basically. Um, the guy's parents were the ones that owned it, and they were the original owners. So there's only been one other owner before me. And uh, the guy that owned it previously, his dad, was a volunteer firefighter. And he drove that thing to Guatemala twice because he, vol- Guatemala? he volunteered down there to fight wildfires. So my van has been to Guatemala twice. There might be drugs in the sidewall. I don't know. I should probably look. Um, but yeah, anyways, I looked at it and I was like, I mean, there's tons of quirks, but I don't care. Like, this is my this is my opportunity to live in a van in Jackson Hole. And so, and it ran. I test drove it and I was like, sure, that's great. I was like, uh, I offered him $1,000. And he was like, sure. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I got $500 less and he had put a new battery in it. Uh, just because the guy was nice. And I told him, like, what I wanted to do. I was like, I'm, I'm probably going to, like, try to convert this so I can live out of it in Jackson Hole. And um, 
he actually knew the guy, my boss in Jackson Hole. So he was friends with him. So I think that helped me out get a deal on this van. So, and it still runs. I put 16,000 miles on it. The radiator did blow up on me one time when I was driving over Teton Pass. And well, I, was think, I think that blew up issue. on you when I was coming out to try to see you. <laughs> That's exactly when it happened. <laughs> and uh, we got that fixed. And ever since then, it's been purring like a kitten. Wow. So <laughs> you got that van for $1,000. $1,000. I mean, you can't buy a camera Which for is, that cheap. Yeah, true. <laughs> my, my camera setup is more expensive than my yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So... I had had a yard sale, so like I was, I was totally committed before I even had a van. I sold basically all my earthly possessions in this yard sale, which actually made enough money to cover my purchase of this van, because <laughs> um, I got rid of so much stuff, and now literally all of my physical belongings on this earth are in that van. That's crazy. So that's such a cool story, though. Yeah, it's pretty fun. That's it's cool. got I mean, a it, good it, history. Yeah, it's. it's kind of got to be a cool thing to have you know a mobile home like that yeah. you can take anywhere so nice i mean you mentioned that van's been to guatemala do you have any any interest in driving it like to a place like that dude i don't i don't think i'll but yeah it's it's doing good so that's crazy so tell me what uh, you know what it's like living in a van full time um it's interesting because it's not as glamorous as social media makes it look a lot of the time. I mean, there are definitely parts of it that are like yeah, You can awesome. wake up in cool places. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there are parts where like a lot of times you're sleeping in a Walmart parking lot or you're sleeping on some random residential street that you get away with parking overnight at. Um, or just the fact that like you have nowhere to store things really, like big things. So you don't, you don't, you can't have a lot of like, yeah, you gotta be selective things. with what you have. Yeah, and uh, and like showering in the bathroom, and like and let me put it this way: like, there's some people that have vans that are like rigged out really nice. We've got a bathroom, we've got a shower, all hundred, two hundred dollars. Mine is about as basic as you can get, and that mainly is because I would consider myself a pretty low maintenance person. And I think you have to be to live in in a van full time or whatever vehicle. Um, but like, yeah, I don't have a bathroom in there. I don't have a shower, so. I shower at friends' houses or I shower at rec centers or the gym or wherever I can find a place. When I was living in Jackson, because there's not a whole lot of places you can shower up there, like, publicly. Like, they don't have any, like, public showers or really gyms that are affordable anyway. Um, and so a lot of time I would actually, like, bathe in the Snake River. Nice. <laughs> and that's where I would All natural. That's where I'd wash off, um, which is freezing cold, for especially in the early season. Um but yeah, I mean that's pretty much the gist of it. It's, it's got a lot of pros, but it's also like you got to be willing to, kind of live in the dirt. Essentially, dirtbag is an apt name for people that live in a van. Yeah. <laughs> now, is this living out of a van full time? Is that something you want to do for a long time? I mean, because that's, you know, it definitely seems like something that could get old fast. Sure. If you're not passionate about that and obviously right. you got pho photography to help get you through a lot of that too because that's yeah. what's pushing you to go to all these places and do this but like is this something you think you could do for another year five years i definitely can see myself doing it for another year or two um like full time i think there's going to be some part of me that's like for the next like 10 years is going to want to do it like on part time yeah so like have a place that i can crash at but like 
to go on like a road trip for three weeks in my van or something, that's something that I'm going to want for a while because there's just so many places I want to see. Yeah, and I think that's one of the cool parts about having a van, especially if you can find another place where you could stay. You yeah. know, the Bushwhacker B&B, we got rooms. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, if you have that, especially if you have like a job that you can work at least somewhat remotely, you can just go on a quick little road trip. Yeah. Anywhere you want. Yep. You know, wake up in some cool mountains. That's a, that's a pretty that. cool thing. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you're into all the outdoor stuff as well. Um, let's backtrack really quick. Okay. You mentioned you lived out of a bus. I did, yeah. Can you tell me about that? I don't know how to ask a question off that. Did you not know this? I, I think I've heard of it. Okay. But tell me about this. Um, essentially, last summer, well, okay, a year and a half ago in January of 2021, um, me and my friends, so I lived in this bus with five of my friends. And this is like a school bus. Um, a school bus. 35-foot school bus. Found it in Hurricane, Utah in January of 2021. Um, we purchased this bus just a little more expensive than my van at $2,800. That's not bad. Amazing. Run perfectly. Like, we never did really any, like, major mechanical work on that thing uh, besides, like, the regular maintenance stuff. Um, but we bought it. And so me and my friend Michael had always, who runs uh, this organization called the outdoor adventure crew based out of utah valley and they like run trips it's not for profit they just run trips for anybody that wants to get into the outdoors basically they take care of all the logistics planning um so they like get the place to stay they take care of like transportation and food and like planning out all the activities and you just pay a flat fee you get to come along and it's not for profit so it's pretty cheap especially when you're going on a trip with like 15 people it splits costs great um, so I had been working as part of that organization, really good friends with, um, the head of that, Michael, and we had always both want to, wanted to go to like every national park in the U S cause like national parks are like, they're cool. Yeah. Kinda. If yeah. you're into that. Yeah. <laughs> Big, like outdoor granola thing that uh, I had always been into. So when COVID happened, it made it so people could work remotely and which is what he was doing. And he was like, we could totally we could totally do this. We just work remotely like on the road and go on a, like a three month trip, visit every national park in the lower 48. And so we're like, we should do it in like, we're thinking about like an RV or whatever. And I was like, dude, it would be so cool if we converted a school bus into like our own RV, if we did the renovations and, and did that, like it would be so cool. And it would, it's something like when we were planning, it was fairly unique. There's like, you see schoolies now every once in a while, but, I was like, and because of that, it'll probably do well, like on social media. And so, well, we got that bus, renovated it in like two months. We left in April, like mid April of 2021. Um, we did a lot of planning, um, for our, our route that we were taking and like places we we're going to stay and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, for three months I lived in there with five other adult human beings in this pretty tiny space when you have that many people um and we visited every national park in lower 48 although i was the only one that was in the bus the entire trip for the duration really? of the trip um everybody else either went home at one point or were hospitalized <laughs> <laughs> um, or various things but i was the only one in the bus for the entire trip and that was mainly because i was the one creating all the content and so like i i couldn't really leave because no one else was going to do that none of them are are like 
photographers or videographers. So gotcha. Well, that's a pretty cool story. That's pretty fun. So you renovated this bus. What exactly did you do to the inside of it to make it livable for six people? Yeah. So um, I mean, we ripped out everything in the beginning, and then. So in the back, the the guy that owns it, he's married. So there's a couple in the back. So there's, uh, in the very back of the bus, there's an elevated uh, king bed. And over under it, there's storage space that you can access from the back door of the bus. We call it the garage. Um, and then just in front of that, on the right side, or the driver's side, there was um, a bathroom, an enclosed bathroom with like a composting toilet that we could use whenever. Um, on the passenger side, there was um, locker space and like cupboards for our food on top. And then in front of that, there were on both sides. Well, in front of the in front of the bathroom, there was a kitchen, kitchen countertop with a sink, running water, and then cupboard space above that and below. And then in front of that and the lockers on the passenger side, there was two sets of our own custom bunk beds which they basically in the daytime the bunk beds actually fold up and they set on a desk that they worked at during the day because they're working remotely everybody else was and so our bunk beds folded up turned into a desk during the day that they worked at then in front of that there was couches with storage underneath where we kept like our batteries and power stuff um and then there was the driver's seat up front that's pretty crazy yeah that's a cool experience so you hit every national park in the lower 48 Indeed. On that trip. In, in three months? 87 days. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. So it's fair to say that you are well-traveled, at least... In the U.S. Yeah, in the yeah, U.S. very, yes. yeah. What of those national parks was your favorite one? Yeah, it's such a hard I know. I understand. I'm going to put you on the my, spot, My My cliche answer, I always like to say, would be Yosemite. I think it's just got, like, everything and... What it does have is majestic. Like, it's an incredible place. Um, outside of that, my uh, my other favorite would probably be Olympic National Park or Glacier. They're really close. I like Glacier a lot. But Olympic I like because the diversity there is just crazy to me. So there's, um, there's like, beautiful waterfalls that almost feel, in the summer at least, they feel like, tropical because it's like so green and there's actually a rainforest in olympic national park and uh those are amazing but then you go on a 45 minute drive to the top of hurricane ridge it's called and you feel like you're in alaska in the mountains because it's just mountains on mountains on mountains um or there's like really beautiful alpine lakes there or you can also go to the coast where it's like rocky kind of oregon coast and so there's just so much variety there in such like a close space that that one really impressed me a lot Gotcha. Now, of all the ones that you have not gone to yet, okay, what is the highest on your list? Um, it is called Gates of the Arctic National Park. It's in Alaska. Um, it's the least visited national park. I think they get, on average, about 5,000 visitors a year. Um, it has no facilities, no trails of any kind. It's like you have to charter. Well, there's a few ways to get in. You can like hike in over a really long distance. Um, you can charter a plane to land on a lake, and then you also hike in. And once you're there, you just you go wherever you want. You just explore. Uh, it's just like so rugged and raw, which I think is really cool and obviously jaw-droppingly beautiful because it's Alaska. Yeah, we've so. we have mentioned that park on the show before. Kai, I'm like, guessing. Kai yeah. was the one that brought it up. Yep. And it is. It sounds like an incredible experience. Yeah. 
because you know you go to a lot of these places you know and maybe some of the bigger ones Yosemite Zion mm-hmm. all these, they're just busy yeah. there's people everywhere huge yeah. but I guarantee you go to Gates of the Arctic you're, you're not, not going to see a soul <laughs> no not unless you brought them with you <laughs> yeah. yeah like you're going to see whoever's with you and that is it yep. like that would be one crazy experience definitely and yeah. certainly one of the a, a story that would rival most that anyone's going to have for sure in terms of outdoor experiences um let's talk about one of the what i think is one of the cooler outdoor experiences i've heard of for a long time and that is you got to spend the entire summer in jackson wyoming yeah. you know like right in the grand tetons oh yeah can you tell us what you were doing up there mm-hmm. and how long you got to spend up there okay um i moved up there at the very end of may in my van, the green bean. <laughs> um, I was working up there as a the head photographer <laughs> for uh, this company called Snake River Photos. Um, basically, what we did is there's a ton of different rafting outfitters in Jackson that send boats down the Snake River on the whitewater portion. And a lot of those people like to get photos of them going over Big Rapid. The main one that I shot was called Big Kahuna. And so basically I would go out to, I'd kayak across the river, but then I'd do this little hike down to this island called Kahuna Rock. I'd sit out there all day, lots of times for like 11 hours a day because there's boats going all the time during busy season. And I would take photos of the raft as they approach and then go over the rapid and right after it and they'd turn around and wave at me and be like, hey. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I just did that every day. It's very, like, monotonous. Not my uh, favorite creative job because it's not really that creative. (laughs) But um, it did allow me to live in Jackson Hole, like, one of my favorite places on Earth, uh, which is incredible. And, like, I'm not going to play and I have a camera in my hand for work. That's awesome, something I'm good at, and I really enjoyed it. Um, But, yeah, that's what I I did for work up there. And I was there until mid-September. That's sweet. An yeah. Entire summer up there near entire the Tetons. Yeah. I would be, I mean, that would be a dream, oh, really, yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I know you had a bunch of photos that you were sharing in our yeah. group chats of like people who on those rapids were like flying out of it oh, my or gosh. like making funny faces. I have so many. I have so many good photos. I need to make an album on my phone of them because people's faces would be like getting squashed in between like legs and there's like a foot sticking out or. And then also, I got to, like, see a lot of celebrities up there. On I have a photo of Jimmy Kimmel waving at me. Kind of cool. It's not Kristen bad. Bell was on that boat. Dak Shepard. Jason Bateman was just behind them. So that was a pretty cool aspect of the, of the job, yeah. Yeah, that is definitely um, a really neat experience and something that not a lot of people are going to have. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. maybe you didn't get to meet those people. But, right. like, you can look through your Lightroom library now. Well, Kristen like, Bell posted a photo that I took on her Instagram, so I'll take go. it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's pretty sweet. Um, tell me about the Tetons, because Tetons, I no, not that I've been to as many parks as, as you have. <laughs> sure. But Tetons I have is my number two park behind Glacier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're my, I think it's number four for me in, yeah. in regard to, like, how I'd rate them for other people. In my heart, it might be number one because I have a lot of history there, especially when it comes to photography. Like, it's the place where I fell in love with the outdoors on my first backpacking trip when I was six. That's where we were at. Um, my my mom's side of the family grew up in that area. Um, my grandpa used to be a ranger in the area as well. And so just, like, grew up 
loving the outdoors there and visiting there as a kid and then went there with my brother on that trip after high school and fell in love with it again and then I got like my first kind of I don't know photo like job for a company up there I got to spend a summer up there which was incredible and yeah, so, yeah. you've got a soft spot yeah for, for definitely and like it's because I do too actually like it was again being from the Midwest there's not a lot of those kinds of places yeah that are close but growing up we did a lot of family vacations to places like that yeah and the Tetons were one of the first ones that I can really remember and appreciate just because I was old enough at that point and you know when I after I moved out here and went to the Tetons for the first time it was like almost reliving all those old memories yeah and I don't know what about it, but like I have that same kind of connection to it. And it, it's just like, it's just such a, I think it sticks in your mind because it's just such a, oh my gosh, such a shocking sight. Like when There's you first come so, up to them, so prominent, out of nowhere. It's like flat, 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 and then boom, massive mountains and like jagged mountains. Yeah, it's, they really are, like if you've never been, you have to go. Yeah, And like, absolutely. you know, for a lot of people, it's probably tough. Like, oh, like there's a bunch of parks. I'll go to this. Right. You gotta go to Tetons. Yeah. Like, for whatever you think of it, if you you don't think it's gonna be much, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of cool stuff you can do up there. You know, you mentioned rafting, obviously is one. Yeah. But they got a bunch of great hikes up there too. Oh yeah. What What's one of the better hikes that you've done up there? Um. One that I really like is is Cascade Canyon. It's a little bit longer, but um, takes you past this waterfall called Hidden Falls. That's right on Jenny Lake. Um, Inspiration Point gives you a great overview of Jenny Lake and like the Teton Valley, or not the Teton Valley, excuse me, like the Jackson Hole area. Um, And then you go up back into the mountains. You can go all the way up to Lake Solitude and North Fork of Cascade Canyon, and that's beautiful too and just gives you a really good view of the the Tetons. Yeah, when I went there when I was like 14, me and my dad started up Cascade Canyon, mm-hmm. and we didn't have time to do the whole thing. Or yeah, anything. it gets pretty lengthy. Oh, yeah, it <laughs> does. But we had started up, and we left my mom and my brother because my brother was younger, and they went back in, and me and my dad kept going. Mm-hmm. We got to this point where we saw this little thing that looked like a bush off the side of the path. And, <laughs> you know, we were maybe 20, 30 feet from I don't know. Yeah. And we couldn't – it didn't look like a normal bush. We couldn't figure out what it was. And then it hit us. It was a bull moose, and it was the <laughs> antlers we saw, just like waving around in the oh bushes, gosh, and yeah. we're like, well, this is uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and so we stopped and just kind of took some time to see if we could maybe get it to stir up so we keep going, but mm. we had to turn back and go. But like that is one of like, it's, it's a memory. very, yeah, it's a core memory <laughs> that I have of like being the Tetons, sure. and it's something that like, again, for all the places that, you know, we can go, Tetons for whatever just sticks with you. It's like not that far away either from us. Yeah, not it's for amazing. us. I mean, again, that's a benefit of Salt Lake. Yeah. But like, you know, we can drive five hours and be in a place like that that yeah. just does something different to you. Amen. And, it, and it's super cool. Um, is that whole summer job experience, obviously you have your new job now with Canvas Cutter. Right. But is that something that you would try again if given the chance? Probably, especially if I didn't have my current job and didn't think that, that was going somewhere for me, I would I would definitely do something like that again, yeah. Yeah, it'd be like, you know, it was the same thing with Kai going up to Alaska for his summer job. It's like, if I was younger again and knew there was those kind of opportunities, 
In a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. I mean, Definitely. I mean, it beats sitting around here, having a job, 9 to 5 that you're working. Oh, yeah. You know, and your buddies are up in a cool place like that. And every yeah. single night, you can go out and see just one of the most beautiful places you could be. Yeah, I think, yeah, especially if you're young, like, taking advantage of seasonal jobs like that, man, they just give you such cool opportunities. And, like, and the people you meet on them are so cool because they're trying to do the same things. They're passionate about the same stuff that you are. I think it just creates such a cool opportunity in your life yeah it really is um i have one more question for you okay i think we're getting to a really good close for this episode here and that is why should other people try to get out and do more outdoor activities what can it do for them i think that the outdoors are i think they've taught me more about life than just about anything else in my life and they just teach you valuable life skills. They teach you how to interact with people in a positive way, I think. They bring you close to a lot of my best friendships in my life have come because of doing things outdoors. And um, they're so good at, at bringing people together like that that could be in completely different paths of life. Um, and kind of going back to that outdoor adventure crew um, group that I was talking about that I lived on the bus with, it's such a amazing way like i've seen so many different people on that like devout catholics next to someone that might be gay or lesbian which you'd like never see those people next to each other in any other like situation but in the outdoors are their best friends which i think is so awesome and a valuable valuable part of that so yeah go grab that seasonal job in jackson hole or alaska or wherever you can because those places I think teach a lot of valuable things. Yeah, it'll change your life. Yeah. It's a really cool thing. And I know obviously we all are very blessed to be in a spot like Salt Lake where yeah. accessibility, you know, is unlike any other Top place tier. in the country. So yeah. well Taylor, this was a great episode. Thanks for Thanks for me. coming on, man. Um before we go, can you tell people where they can find you and keep up with your work? Absolutely. Um my handle on Instagram and TikTok is at T D cameraman. Um that's pretty much where I'm most active at. So find me there. And he's very active. Lots, I am. lots I am and lots of reels and TikToks. Yes. If you want to see indeed. some good, funny content, definitely go check them yep. out. Well, if you're listening to this show at home, um, especially on audio, we do have a video podcast on YouTube. You can find us at Bushwhackers. Uh, we have a ton more content over there as well. That is not just or is that that is not also on the podcast platforms, but we're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts now. So nice. making moves. So, well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to cheers you. this pink juice now that Heck you've yeah. finally gotten to try it. Beautiful. We're going to wrap stuff. it up. That's good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> did, did you get that before? I did. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> <laughs>